This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! Hello, and welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Erin Pym. I'm the producer of the theatrical variety show, The Bedpost Sex Show. Here at the podcast, I like to invite guests and performers from the stage show and beyond to uh, indulge me in a more in-depth conversation about sex and sexuality. This week, I have a super special guest, comedian Chantel Morostica. Oh, hey, and then I talk. You're like, me now? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I always do that. So I'm like, oh, it's me. (laughs) That one. (laughs) Hi. Hey, Aaron. How's it going? Really good. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I I sound really, like, very cute in the morning. So I feel like that's what's coming across right now. I'm like, stop sounding so cute. (laughs) (laughs) You're very cute. Also, you said you were a little sick. You... Yeah. Yesterday you kind of woke up a little sick, right? Yeah, just got uh, you know cramp sick. Like oh, <laughs> oh. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my period. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah, I felt kind of crampy yesterday, and then I was like looking at my little looking at the calendar to be like, oh, what's happening? And it was just like I ate a lot of crap food. <laughs> That's all. That probably helped because I was like, I'm gonna just eat garbage until I die. <laughs> I don't know why my, my, my cramps are always really, really bad. There's like a day where, and I, it's like, it's like, uh, when winter happens, you're like, oh my God, it's so cold here in Canada. Like you forget that whole time. Like it's like every month I forget that a period exists and it's going to come for me. <laughs> and it always does. <laughs> that bitch. Yeah. For me, it was just, I ate crap food and I needed to, I needed to have a good shit. Yeah. <laughs> You know how it is. You know how it is. I'm like, oh, yeah. I just not- don't, like, tell. Like, it's just so even, even like, being comfortable with having a period and everything is so, like, it's almost like when I was 15 again because coming out as non-binary, like, having my period is really weird. Yeah, it's just, like, yeah, it's yeah. I don't like, like, I, because I'm such a proud feminist, like, I was like, yeah, we talk about that and if they're, like... The, like, the girls with, like, like oh, my period stains my own. Like, just learning to be proud of it and not ashamed of those kinds of things. And then almost, like, going back in the closet on that because then it just, like, kind of, it genders me. My body, my own body genders me once a month. And I'm like, damn you. Don't yeah. tell me who I am. But that's fair. <laughs> yeah, like, what are the, yeah, what are the feelings going on in your head when you're well, getting your period? It's just, like, it's, it's just, it's weird because, like, then my, I like, your boobs get all, like, sensitive Sensitive or swollen or sore yeah and it's just all the things that remind you of your gender when you aren't reminded of it almost on a daily basis i guess yeah and it's still something like that is beautiful and i'm proud of but it's a mixed feeling and when i'm like i'm not feeling good i don't want to be like i have cramps because i don't i don't know it just feels it doesn't feel right but it's not not something to be like that i'm ashamed of just weirded out by because it's just like the feelings of it are mixed because like it's something that i've learned to be proud of proud of yet women but i just don't identify as one so it's like what but why but i (laughs) why me though (laughs) yeah but it's important to bring up that people that don't identify as women have periods 
Yeah. You know? And I can't imagine, yeah, I can't imagine for my friends that are, like, trans men that get Yeah, men can have uteruses. Men have periods. Yeah. Like, it's not just women who have periods. Because it's something that's so beautiful and I'm so proud of, like, but I had to, like... Get there. Drop everything that I learned growing up because it's kind of ingrained us to be very ashamed of it. Like, the commercials, everything. Just we're brought up to be ashamed of that. Oh, it's shitty. But learning to be proud of it and then... And then really coming to terms with not identifying as female and then coming to how, what it means to me when I have my own. Yeah. So I'm like, it's beautiful. Let's talk about it. It's a beautiful, yeah, don't talk about my flower. Yeah, but not me. <laughs> but not, not mine. mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's not mine. <laughs> like if yesterday I was like, I've got cramps. You'd be like, oh, baby, you stay home. You know? Oh, but honey. Like, I'm like, I'm sick. <laughs> talk about. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause you'll be like, I'm sick rather than I have my period or I have cramps. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is also weird and telling because if somebody else tells me they have cramps, they can't do something. I'm like, yeah, no, I get it because people you only get it if you get if you get it. <laughs> yeah, you, you tell a guy that they're just like, ugh. But it's like, oh my god, you're such a wimp if you ever experience this. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And I feel like men have such like cis men have like like bro cis men have like such a low pain tolerance. <laughs> you it's, would be yeah. on the floor. You would be you like don't even yeah. judge. Don't even talk about it. You no. would be. Laid when, when they dig out, or that like oh it, you don't know what being punched in the balls is like it's probably worse than childbirth and you're like oh my god you're the dumbest <laughs> my friend lauren posted a picture of her like climbing this huge mountain in australia and she's like i'm really proud of myself but i'm more proud because i have the same flu that my husband has that he's on the couch like crying right now and she climbed, and i like, climbed a, a fucking mountain yeah <laughs> and i was like go you go girl <laughs> Uh, so if uh, so, if we didn't really lay it out in the introduction, <laughs> you're a non-binary person. Yeah, yeah, non-gender binary person. So for what for people that don't totally, I guess, know what that means, even after the period convo, what what is that? What to tell me, me about? Not- I think that it for any person that uses the language that it means because every person's experience is their own. But to me, I don't identify as male or female. I just am a genderless person. Mm-hmm. I, like, explored the gray over years because I thought maybe that I was trans because that's, like, it's very black and white for me when I think about things and put it, but I just got to know what the gray area was and that, like, we put everything, this thing about you or this thing about you is very effeminate or very masculine, but these are just constructs that we've made up. Yeah, these they're are just human qualities. They're just human qualities. It's not a male tribute to either male every or single female. person has both these qualities, but I don't know, it's... It's all very confusing, but I've just learned to, like, be very comfortable in the gray area where it doesn't mean, because my hair is short doesn't mean I look like a boy or because I uh, have breasts doesn't mean I'm a woman or just like, or even just like subtle character things about myself. I just, like, I used to be like, well, that's the, I'm very androgynous and the perfect mix of both, but there's no such thing as either or both. So why? There's horrible qualities and beautiful qualities to both things that we attribute to a gender, but they're just qualities. So it's just like what each person is made up of a bunch of different ones. I don't know. Yeah. Human qualities. I start talking about it and it's like when you're like, but what about the, think about how big the universe is. And then your mind (laughs) explodes like I start thinking about it and I'm like I don't know I'm just not either (laughs) (laughs) yeah because like yeah that's like a lot to say about gendering when you're growing up like like what I think of is how young men are cultured to be masculine hyper masculine Mm -hmm. quote unquote like to not have empathy to not you know enjoy activities that are typically female feminine activities 
and it's just robbing it's robbing young people of the full spectrum of emotion and everything so Chantel uh do you want to talk about like your story with not being like a part of the gender binary and and stuff like that yeah like when did you first take me back um I don't know it's all just like faint memories like yeah. it's not like a dis- like I knew that I was gay yes That's right yeah. like I knew when I was like four because I really like liked I was just like, whoa, women. (laughs) Like in kindergarten, I was like, everybody looks great. Girls, (laughs) boys, yeah, that's, you're all gross. You're disgusting. Um, But I, like, I remember when I was young, I was like playing like cowboys and I don't know what you would say now, cowboys and indigenous people, like just the offensive games we played when Mm -hmm. we were kids. But I wanted to look more like a boy because I was being a cowboy so I cut my eyelashes all off and then I really came to my mom my mom's friend's house and I was like everybody freeze I know like a cute little cowboy and my mom was like in the kitchen like she was so far away from me but she was like you cut off your fucking eyelashes and she lost it because every anything that I did that was like against being a female she was just like that I was punished for it because really my mom's a very feminine person and that was like she grew up in Thunder Bay and like came they came to Winnipeg and I don't know they're very like this is how this is how it is. Like, women marry men. I don't know. They're just raised by the... What's, what does it even mean? By the book. You know? Yeah. What book? Who wrote the fucking book? I don't know, but it was just very old-fashioned yeah. family, so... But my mom was very pleased when my eyelashes grew back even fuller and longer. <laughs> uh, and then I always used to, like, wet, eat with my hands, and, like, I was just, like, a little monster. I was, like, always playing in dirt little and animal. eating with my hands. Yeah. And my mom was like, no boy will ever love you. If I, like, and I'd always, like, wipe my whole face on my shirt all the time. Like, I was just really, like, just a kid. Like, a little... Yeah. A kid's and, kid. Yeah. yeah. And, and a, a tomboy, which is, like, I also find that a weird thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, and my mom was like, well, you're going to hit boobs one day and no boy will ever love you if you eat like that. And if you do this, and I was always like, awesome. Like, yeah. I don't want a boy to love me. Like, that was always a thing that a boy, what, what boy is going to love you? And I was like, I don't care. And that's something that always like would ring through my head. And then Interesting. My mom, every time she would say that, you'd be yeah, like, be like, well, you'd be like good, good. <laughs> so I'll continue perfect. doing what I'm doing. Yeah, it was almost like a reward. Like, don't do that or men won't. And I'm like, ah, oh, perfect. <laughs> Just put some, put some more. But yeah, I don't know what to say. Uh, and then um, my mom was like, you're going to get boobs. And I was so that I remember that upset me so much. Really? Like even more than like when my mom was like. Rosie O'Donnell's a lesbian to try to like get and like it made me cry because I was like well why did you say it like that <laughs> why did you say it all creepy yeah because my parents were like oh you love Rosie O'Donnell but she's a lesbian because they were like saying like it was bad and like that that's like uh, this person that I really love and like look up to is like a terrible person because that's how it was in my family like my dad would be like get in the car we're gonna go yell at the faggots at the Marilyn Manson oh, concert no. like they were just like all of his brothers oh, and okay. everybody was like really kind of racist and it's like a very blue collar city Winnipeg and like me coming out and being who I am made my parents who they are, which is good because they, I guess they just learned that some things were okay, which they aren't. Like being racist is never okay or being, uh, they're just being homophobic and not even knowing it. And like when I finally came out, that was, they had to change a lot of the things that they felt or thought about things just because they're uneducated. Right. But I was like, when they said that I was, my mom told me I was going to get boobs was the most upsetting thing in the world to me. And then I finally. Did you, yeah. what upsetting? Why did you know why? At that time? Well, I was, like, flat-chested, and that's what I wanted to look like. I that's knew what you my wanted. Brother, yeah. My brother and I both looked the same with our shirts off, and I looked like that, and I didn't understand why I would have to get that. Like, that 
Because when you're a kid, you don't, gender isn't like, you're not like, I'm a woman. Because yes, you don't even know what that you're means. Not, yeah, you're not You're nothing anything. Until, you're yeah, a kid. until you are taught or until, yeah, it's like nurture and nature, I guess. But I just didn't want them. And then, and then it kind of like is a whirlwind that I don't really kind of, I guess, blocking out like them growing my boobs, like going and getting a training bra, like... I've always just been like, yo, yeah, just that one. That's perfect. C C thirty six. Just pop it in the bag. I don't want to look at it. You know? <laughs> just get get in and get out. Just yeah, get me out of here. But my mom would be like, you just have to go to Victoria's Secret and get a proper fitting. And it's so I don't know. There's, they, yeah, that's interesting to point out. Like, because that experience for m- most little girls and their moms are like, this is like a ceremonial moment to like get your first bra, to get your period, to like all these little milestones in a quote-unquote woman's life, in a cis woman's life. And that's just interesting to hear how they were terrible for you. <laughs> like, how they're, yeah, they're well, uncomfortable for you. How my they mother's were... always been like, oh, I won't get this and I won't get that. Like, me coming out was kind of like taking away the effeminate things that a mother and daughter share. But, like, we, our relationship is just different. Like, I, I still want grandkids. I still want to get married. Or kids. I still want kids for her to be a grandma and I still want to get married but it just looks different and that's hard for her to wrap her head around and I'm sure that's probably because our relationship together has been like I always dressed like a boy and then when I was like I want to get a baby tea she was like in the car for two days before you know she was like I'm ready I'm driving in the bay <laughs> to get a baby tea yeah like, to, like, like a to, crop to top more like a to, to dress more effeminate like I was like I think I'm ready to go buy like girls clothes and I was like in grade 10 or something and she was ready in the car already like let's do this get in the car get in the car and what was that moment about for you i just like i got teased i got bullied so much for being gay i guess and my mom just was always it seemed like you're that she never got to like go bra shopping we didn't share those type of things that are like um i never thought of it until you kind of brought that up to me that like that there are things that a mother shares with her daughter but i just never was her daughter right but i was that that word was put on me. And yes. I was her yes. female daughter, but I just never was. Like, I got my period, and I was like, oh, goodness. And then she, like, phoned everybody in the family. Like, it was so proud. A proud moment. And my butt was just bleeding a bit. And then when I really got my... So she had to phone everybody back. <gasps> oh, my God. That pretty much happened to me, too. Yeah. Okay. I, I just, like, fucking scratched. And it wasn't my butt, but, like, my my uh, vulva. I, like... I guess I, like, scratched myself. Maybe I was masturbating. I don't know. The jury's out. But, like, I, I kind of cut myself a little bit. Like... And I thought I was going to wait period, so I told her. And she was just like, whoa! And then, like, told everyone. And then it was like, oh, no. Oh, no. just, like, cut your And I think it was, like, right away. Like, it happened, like, maybe, like, (laughs) six months later. Then they were like, are you sure this time? And I was like, whatever. Just phone phone grandma again and tell her I cut my butt. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. But, like, also, my my mom didn't really talk to me about sex or about those things. So it was just like, we're going to go bra shopping. And, like, I didn't understand the excitement behind it. Because, like, maybe... If I had been more effeminate, it would have been like so, you know, like like in now and then in those movies when the when two women like share those magical things. But I maybe my mom just felt like I was just such a tomboy that the reason she didn't talk to me about those things is because I didn't give them. We both didn't reciprocate. I don't know. Yeah, it's just confusing. Like knowing, like like we're gonna go get a bra, and I'm like, go fuck yourself. Yeah, a what now for what and why? Yeah, and, and I guess do I have to? Yeah, and I just went along with it because that's was like I don't I don't know I I'm moving to, I'm from Winnipeg originally and moving to Toronto like three years ago and I lived in Montreal from when I was like twenty three to twenty eight I guess I don't know um, that where was I going with that just <laughs> I have the, ADHD so sometimes I'll be like was I talk were you talking <laughs> who was talking who was talking and about what um, just the ritual around 
They just they didn't did, understand. Oh, sorry, that people, there's so many more progressive people, like, that they grew up in Toronto. Like, it's more, I don't know, a lot of people here just, in, I, I come from, like, a blue-collar place. Like, it was just, like, a, like a re- normal childhood in the suburbs or whatever, but... It just, it feels like my parents were pretty behind mm-hmm. the times, like being from Thunder Bay, that they were just like, a boy loves a girl. And boy or girl. Yeah. <laughs> what about you at that time? Did you have anyone you saw, like, around town or even in the media or anything like that, that, like, kind of didn't fit into the gender binary, that you could see it and identify it for yourself and be like, oh, that, that's me? I always thought people would, like, even growing up, because I have really dark hair, people would call me, like, Katie Lang when I had, like, short hair, and that's, like, the only person I can think of that was very androgynous, and I was like, oh, I like that, because I always cut my hair short from when I was, like, in, like, in elementary school, Mm -hmm. and then when it was more, like, you and now it's time, you have to look like a woman, Mm -hmm. then I grew my hair out, and I was like, baby bangs, you know, (laughs) and started to look more femme, but it was never... It was always, like, an androgynous, in an androgynous way, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, an androgynous take on it. Yeah, like, I would wear, like, at my old job, I would wear, like, um, like a bustier, but, like, with a floating tie. So, like, I looked androgynous, but it was also, like, but then I was told that I had to dress more like a woman. But I felt like, I, that was, like, the way that I felt the most like a female was when I was, like, androgynous. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was almost fired for that a couple times. Cause really? Yeah. Winnipeg's just, like, it's a different world, I feel like. It's such so small that they can do that. I don't know. What job was it? Every serving job I've ever had growing oh. up. Like, I worked at, like, a dinner theater, and they were like, well, we'll lose your job unless you start wearing dresses. And I was like, really? we can't do that. And they're like, we can fire you for every, any reason we see fit. <laughs> and then I worked at, like, Chop, which is, a, like, the Moxies and Shark Club umbrella. And they were like, you have to wear heels. And I was like, I look like a fucking raptor. Like, I would, I looked crazy, like, because I look like this, like, and I, I, I kind of look like Justin Bieber a bit, and then I'm just, like, wearing heels, wearing so it heels just looks like, for some reason. just, like, elevated Bieber. How wrong, it, it, yeah, it elevated how wrong that is. That yeah. was for you to wear heels, yeah. It was so weird, because, like, in the, I was in the dining room, and my friends were in the lounge, so they were wearing, like, you know, they had to wear, like, the skimpiest amount of clothes, and no bobby mm. pins, as much makeup as possible, or they send you home. Wow. And they'd be, like, really? in the dining really? room. Yeah, yeah, wow. still, wow. still. And my, one of my managers is a really close friend of mine, and she lives in Burlington now, we had a discussion about it, and we are like, they still get away with it, they still do it. Like, my friend Lindsay was fired for being too fat, and she's not fat, <laughs> like, she's... And the, but they they don't say that right like they find other reasons but um, they were like you have to wear the heels or we'll send you home so like my my girlfriend at the time lent me a pair of heels and I would come out and be like clippity clop and it was so, it looked so yeah. weird the, is this what you want like yeah. going up this the is table, what you want me to look like, like <laughs> <laughs> just can't walk in them like it's just and then I went into the dish pit and there was like the little holes and then the ch- I I went to go <laughs> in the grate. <laughs> In the grate, the shoes just stuck, and then I walked out, and I was barefoot, and I was like, I'm never wearing them again. What is this? This is so dangerous. Yeah, this was successful. And I always wondered why the girls would just, like, leave their dishes everywhere. Like, if they stepped in there, they just would die. So it was like, I thought that they were just being lazy, and I was like, oh, you just, your job is very dangerous, because you have to dress like a, a little beautiful raptor monster. <laughs> beautiful female raptor. <laughs> but I would just like I would put the high heels on and come to pre-shift and I'd be like clippity clop and then I would go and take them off and put my loafers on. Mm-hmm. So I'm wearing like a like striped shirt and like long apron and long pants like totally like the like a, a men's casual outfit for a dining room but the women had to wear it too but then the women also had to wear three inch heels so it was like and then I would go back and take the heels off put my loafers on and then whenever my manager was walking behind me I would just stand on my tippy toes and walk <laughs> And he'd be like, I know what you're doing. Like, I could write you up. And I'm like, well, go ahead. I'm not, not putting it back on. 
That's like every time we would we would like have if the boss comes in and we know our aprons are fucking dirty or some shit, we just like my friend had this thing where she would just pick up a box. Yeah. And just carry it around. Because her shirt was dirty. So dirty. Yeah. And like she looks busy. Yeah. She's taking this box wow, somewhere. She's so busy. Where she she always has boxes. Just pick up a box. Yeah. <laughs> fucking brilliant. Uh and then, okay, and then so... I think they knew at some point because they, like, wouldn't hire... They wouldn't, like, promote me as the... I was supposed to be the bar manager, mm-hmm. and, like, I was the... I, I was, like, the head trainer, and I was supposed to be, like... And I was... I knew, I knew everything, but it was, like, they wouldn't they elevate wouldn't my job me. position because of the way I looked. So they were, like, we can't make them... Her at the time. We yes. can't make her bar supervisor if she can't even work at the bar. And I was, like, why can't I work at the bar? And they are, like... <laughs> Because we're not going to just change the outfits because the girls had to wear, like, really skimpy dresses. They're like, we're not going to just change the outfits so that she can wear a, so she can wear a pantsuit to work. And I was like, am I fucking Rosie O'Donnell or a bartender? Like, I'm not allergic to dresses. Like, just hire, just give me the job that I'm... Give me that, a fucking raise, bitch. Give me the job that you are... you Like, they hired me for it. And they were like, sorry, we brought it to the management meeting. And they were like, she, can, she can't wear heels. And she can't wear... And I was like, but... I'm not like you even said about the pantsuit, and I just that it's so funny. It's so ridiculous. Imagine me be like, finally, I'm bar supervisor, and just come in like in a crazy Rosie doll pantsuit, and I'm just like those like what are those called? Those those oh those what are nerf those nerf things that she used to shoot the audience? (laughs) Like, hey kitties, you cutie patooties, behind the bar. Like I'm just, I just, oh. I'm just on the trans spectrum. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not a complete idiot. <laughs> this is my chance to relive my life as a young Rosie O'Donnell. So dumb. Uh, and okay, so you were in like high school when this was kind of happening. Or? Oh, that was later. But like in 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 high school, I just like always dressed like a tomboy or tried to be femme, and it just really, it was just a really awkward. It's really awkward growing up being like, what? When you feel this in your body, but it's not even talked about, like being trans was something that I'd never even heard of mm-hmm. <laughs> or non-binary, any of that. And then I guess a couple of years ago, I was at my friend Eric's house and he had a Outwards magazine, which is the Winnipeg like publication for the LGBTQ2I community. Like, uh-huh. And um, I was reading it and it was like this thing all about non-binary people and I was like really drunk. I was at his house, it was so late and I would usually just like read it when I go to the bathroom and I came out and I was like, what is this? What does this mean? What is this? And I was so, my mind was blown because I was like, what do you mean you can just be nothing? And I just yeah. kept doing that. I was like, what do you mean you can just be nothing? So I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And he was like, they're non-binary, like they just don't identify. And I was like, what do you mean? Is that a choice you can make? And I was just like, but I, and like, I was just like holding this thing and I read it and rewrite it and I was like, that's weird. Because that's automatically, like, you're like, what? Because I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And I went to bed with it, like, in my hands. And I was like, this is... And I read it and read it and thought about it and thought about it. And my friend Melanie, like, my ex-girlfriend taught me what cisgen meant. And I thought that was so funny because I never even thought of that. Like, that that's mm-hmm. what, like, that you're, like, cisgen female and, like, cisgen male. Yeah, and born into the body you identify with. Yeah. And yeah. I just was like, what? Because that was never talked about in any growing up or anything. And I started to hang out with more queers because, like, I came out when I was, like, 19. But I didn't mean, like, I didn't know any queer people or any other gay people. I just hung out with straight people that were like, yeah, this is how life's lived, you know? Yeah. And then she taught me cisgen. I just thought it was the funniest thing that I'd ever heard. Like, I got a toque made that said cisgen on it. So I was like, hit me, cisgen. Because <laughs> I was like, that's crazy. And then my friend Melanie was like, no, you're non-binary. Like, that's what she said. You're not on the binary. And I was like, what do you mean? What like, is she the binary? Yeah. Because I had read that thing. And I was like, you can't just tell me I'm non-binary. Like, that's not just something you decide. And then and then I thought about, like, the whole spectrum of, like, what... And meeting more trans people. 
and really learning more about queerness and being like what cisgen means and I was like oh I'm not that and I was like I'm androgynous and then I finally like I was like my name I'll, I'll, my name's Clark I'm Clark I'm try maybe I'm, I'm gonna change my name I'm a guy and I was like I'm not a guy I know I'm not a guy and then that's when like the non-binary thing began to make more sense yeah because when I met people that were non-binary like the they them thing it would trip up a lot and I was like I don't I still it was so much to wrap my head around but the more yeah. I read about it and the more I like really thought about it and like in that gray area where it's not, where it's okay to just be like, to just decide that you're nothing. Yeah. That you can decide that. Like that's yeah. just, cause that's not something that I, I ever had a power over. Like, cause you're always, you just always have to be a female and you just always are. And even now, like people will be like, that's dumb when I ask them to gender me properly. And like, really? Like, what do you mean? Pfft, that's stupid. Cause like, if you don't know, you just don't know. That's stupid. No, they won't say that's stupid. Oh, that I is had, so fucking rude. No, I had, I, I, I asked a Yuck's host, I was like, they're like, what credits do you want? And I was like, just, uh, you know, my credits, whatever you want to bring me up as. Cause I don't like, I don't want to 80 credits when I'm going to do an open mic or like Wednesdays. <laughs> And I was like, just they, them is my, is my pronoun. And he was like, oh, that's, that's hilarious. That's so dumb. And I was like, no, but like, no, he was like, oh, I thought you were joking. And I was like, no, I'm not joking. He's like, still, that's hilarious. And then he brought me up as she, her anyway. So great. So but that's just how it, like our people, people in uh, comedy. Are yeah. Always. Cause comedy is like big cis, cishet men. Mm-hmm. It's their house. It is their house. Right. They don't, and they don't care about the other people's rules of other people's houses. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that if I was in a different workplace, like my workplace is uneducated, says het men that decide that in this house they're right, but they're uneducated, kind of stupid people a lot of the time. Yeah. So when they see something new, they're like, that's dumb. And that's what you're used to. So that's dumb. <sighs> or she's a slut because she's like, like there was when I lived my in my girlfriend's Winnipeg, crazy. Yeah. All, yeah. all of the tropes. Yeah. It was like, I didn't become a, like what I think is, like, a proper feminist or proper queer until I moved here and I was out of that, like, boys club that I was almost, like, brainwashed that... Like, not brainwashed because somebody can brainwash you, I guess. I don't know. It just... You're just cultured. You're learned. It's learned behavior. You're... Yeah, and to be, like... You're informed by your environment. Because I was the only, like, female-identifying performer, like, at my level, and there was a couple other girls, and now there's so many in Winnipeg, but at the time, it was just, like, me and two other girls, and it was, like, there was only room for me, though, on a lineup, because I was the best one, and then they'd be, like, isn't she a fucking slut? She's garbage, because there was only room for one woman, and Mm -hmm. that was me. And then when I moved, I was like, oh my God, if there can be 40 men, there can be 40 women. And that's like the way that I was treated was just as bad as the way that the, they treated the other women. Because I always thought that was like, that's so nice of them to include me. But I was the best no. person on the scene and they were just putting me in this place that they chose for me. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, when you just start to look at the black and white and the gray and the way that you're brought up and what that all means. And you're just like, oh, okay. No, I was right. That's <laughs> right the first time. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, because it's just, it is, like, a lot of people that are, they don't, they're like, oh, I don't go to school, or I don't read, or I don't care about anybody but myself, but I have a microphone, so everybody has to listen to my opinion kind of thing. Great. What generally was your reception when you, because I feel like, you tell me, please, but, like, I feel like it was kind of recently that you were like, they, them, everybody, thanks. Yeah, it was in the last year that I posted that they, them, thanks, because I was just telling people that I was identifying as non-binary, but I kind of... I don't know, Aaron. I felt very much like it wasn't mine to say, like it was mine to get upset about her because like, it's again that black and white thinking that I'm like taking something away from a trans identifying person if I'm like, they, them, please, you know? And I was like, no, this is my life and it's my, 
how, you're worthy of however you fucking yeah. identify. Yeah. And I was like in a in a, like a group therapy, and I had a friend that was uh, he he preferred he or they them, and I was just like I was like she or they them, and then I was like no they, and then one day I was like they were like uh, so was, they noticed that I didn't say she and they them, and they were like so yeah, and I was like yeah yes, yes they them yes, yes they them, and then they respected that, and I was like just receiving small amounts of validation kind of bumped me up to be able to say it out loud to everybody. And now it's just, I'm getting more comfortable actually correcting people or it's because it just feels like I, I guess I didn't validate myself because it is so invalidating to be constantly misgendered. And because I am like, anytime I fly, they're like, excuse me, sir, you're a man. Excuse me. Every way that you can gender a male. (laughs) And I was like, no, I'm not. (laughs) All right. But I'm used to it, like, just, like, the she, her thing isn't as bad as being completely, like, misgendered as a man, Mm -hmm. I guess. I don't know. It's just all so It's all wrong. It's all wrong. It's all wrong. It all feels wrong. Yeah. And the questions that people ask about it. What feels right is they them. Yeah. And it's hard to explain how it feels right, but it just feels right. And it feels like, like, when I came out when I was 19, I finally felt like I wasn't lying anymore and I could be myself. It feels like that again. Yes. Yeah. Because first you come out as gay. it's so much more confusing to, like, gender is a lot more confusing than sexuality, I think. Yeah. Well, it's, I feel like it, in the public consciousness, it's newer, right? And it's like people now get gay. Yeah. I feel like in like liberal places like Toronto and, and other city centers, people understand gay now. We yeah. know what gay is. And they're still but like wrapping their heads around gender. Yeah. And like I find that a lot of my friends that are like, yeah, no, I have trans friends and stuff. It's just like the non binary thing is still, that's so much newer in the, in the whole world of like understanding gender that it is like, what? Yeah. Even, yeah. The Wait, difference what? between transness and like gender queerness, gender fluidity. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Trans people, like a trans man or a trans woman versus, yeah. versus somebody that uses they, them and identifies as neither. Yes. Like yourself. Mm-hmm. Like the, big difference there yeah people are kind of knowing what trans is now yeah and it's like and it's you're on the spectrum you're on that. the spectrum of that but you're not but not you're not a trans I, person i feel like i don't know i feel like the, the journey for a trans person is so much different because you're just in this skin that just feels so wrong like for me my my breasts feel really wrong that's it that's it but the rest totally the rest fine. feels like me yeah but you're like if you i i don't know so like when i'm when I correct people about the they, them, I feel like I'm, like, um, like, taking something away from someone, but it's just being able to be comfortable on that spectrum, I guess. I don't really... That's very interesting. Like, for me... I, I just have so much apathy, and I have so much, so much, like, such, I have a very big heart, so I'm just like, I'm sorry. Yeah, apologizing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I don't, like, I, some of my closest friends and some of the most amazing people I know are are trans and it's just like I I don't want to lessen their fight by being out or you know which is bullshit which is not which is not happening but that's just just how yeah just because it feels like there's so little space for them to begin with that's what it's like it's just that it's it sucks for all of us on the spectrum yeah we all have our journeys like trans people have their journeys gender queer gender fluid you know everybody has their journey their struggle i feel like it's like with with people that are very cis head that don't wrap can't wrap their heads around it like my friend kyle and my, michelle have been very like adamant about like correcting people and they're they have changed their language for me and it's just that they've said that it's helped them grow as people but like um the they them thing like kyle one day was just like yeah michelle like what if somebody just kept calling you he yeah like if the, every day they were like he excuse me sir 
she was like, oh, yeah, I had <laughs> she got like, and they both got like upset for me. And they're like, I didn't think about it like that, like that it would always be, you would hear it so much and it would bother you so much. And I was like, thank you for thinking about that. That's very sweet. Like it just, that's any time to- somebody makes an effort and or corrects themselves, it like makes my heart warm. And like, it just makes me like feel nice. Like when I went home last time, I, I told my parents about it and about wanting top surgery and they just. Just like they just they will talk about it in time. They'll be able to understand it or wrap their heads around it. But right now we just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. But my mom kept calling me she and her and her little girl and little lady and stuff. And I was just like, I I let the last mm-hmm. visit home just slide. Just let it like okay, she's this is gonna be really hard for her because I'm her daughter. But I'm not gonna ever tell her be like don't call me your daughter. Like call me your child because like my mom needs that. She does. She needs right that. now anyways. Yeah, and then. We were, like, at Costco getting, like, a new phone. And I was, like, nobody wants to be at Costco. So I looked mad. But I was just, like, <laughs> why Why are we in Costco so much? Like, I'm visiting you, not Costco. Like, I don't miss Costco when I'm in, like, Toronto. <laughs> oh, God. I identify with that so hard. We're yeah, always and at she was Costco. Like, <laughs> she said, we're always at fucking Costco. Like, I know everyone here. Um, and I was, like... She was like, what's the matter? And I was like, uh, nothing. Because nothing was the matter. And I should have been like, start over. Because my mom and I are both very emotional people. But I was like, can you just try they them? And she just immediately mm. broke down in tears. Because I think that it, that is such an emotional trigger for her. That it's just like, even saying it means that she doesn't have a daughter anymore. You know? Like, and she just immediately broke down in tears. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not taking anything from away from you. But like, if you think about it, just try to start to get used to it. Yeah. And she was like, okay, okay. It's just like, I've known you for your whole life, 33 years as a girl. And I was like, and I'm still that person, but just try it. Just and she try. didn't. Just think. Just <laughs> but think. she at least like was like, we had like a conversation where she went immediately to tears to like her coming down and being like, but this is where I'm coming from. And I was like, great. Of course. Great. Love of this course. conversation. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I know that it's going to take another couple of years before she, they even try to say it, but that's, that's them really trying. Yeah. Which doesn't look like it's trying because they're not even like putting into the like, but even but the thought is there it, at yeah. least the thought is there. Like the I've been seed out for has been planted almost there. fifteen years now, and this year my parents I I wasn't like brought up for the Winnipeg Pride, and I, I didn't I couldn't go because I just couldn't afford to go because and it is almost during uh, Toronto Pride, okay. which is way better. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, my hometown, but. They volunteered at the beer tent, and, like, everybody knows my parents in the community because they know me, so they were just, like, I was, like, it was such a warm reception. I was, like, thank you so much. That means so much to my community and to me as a queer person. She was, like, I don't know why you would call yourself that. Like, even me calling myself queer, because I understand that. Hmm. And she was, like, I feel like we've been really supportive, and I was, like, well, you haven't. No, <laughs> like, you like, haven't. Like, you never come to a pride parade or ask me how it is. Like, you, it's one thing not being completely ashamed of me being gay and then being proud. Those are two yeah, different things. Those are so far apart. Yeah. It doesn't, that's the black and white for my parents, though, because, like, they have a gay child, they have a queer child, and they, they don't hate me, so that's, like, that's... And that, in their heads, that's enough. Yeah, it's been a very slow, like, 15 years of me being incredibly patient and then being, like... You're not being patient with us. And I'm like, it's been 15 years. <laughs> Look at the clock, man. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the calendar. Yeah. But they're, like, my parents are so great, and they raised, like, me the best that they could with what, I guess, like, with their tools. Like, I'm a little monster. Ah. <laughs> I'm not a girl. <laughs> I'm an animal. Cut my boobs off. What? <laughs> but sorry, what? They just don't know how to talk about things. That's completely fine. I've done well on my own figuring it all out, but yeah. they, they, they do their best. And I think all parents, like... I think that our parents were, like, 
that's a hard time, but the, the parents they had weren't equipped to raise the children they have, and then they weren't as equipped, but I think that we're going to do better. Oh, yeah. Because oh. we see so much, like, everything has changed. And we it have makes to, me, like, we just, have to do better. Yeah. And just, like, when I started doing, like, a, teaching, like, a queer youth group, and they were, like, they, them, he, and I was, like, what? <laughs> what? But you're, like, 10. What? And I got so uncomfortable, because they were so comfortable and okay Great. being who they were and I was like that's Im- that's amazing Great. but I'm so jealous and I was like they made me think about my gender and then teaching at Second City and like um trying to open it up to teens and queer kids it's just like they teach me more than any adult could because they it's the parents that they have and the and the knowledge that they have like they can just be themselves it's so weird to be like taught from a kid wow this yeah. that generation is just yeah limitless yes yeah. yeah and they're just like like everything's available to them so they're like able to not waste so much time on self and more on like growth it's wow weird, strange to watch wow for like, a kid it's amazing for a kid like, to have like, that perspective you're dumb until you're at least 30 and i was like what am i valid now no still not okay. still not okay well i guess <laughs> still born a woman okay, okay. <laughs> i'm so stupid <laughs> Oh, God. Let's take a quick break. Uh, We have uh, some really great events, great and important and hilarious and lovely events that we want to talk about. So let's do that. Yeah, let's do that after the break. Uh, We're going to talk to, uh, well, we're going to talk to a pre-recording of myself talking about (laughs) Come As You Are, which is a really great sex shop. Um, It's actually trans-owned and trans-operated since we're talking about it. Um, They're amazing people. Support them like crazy. And then we'll be back on the second part with Chantal and Rostka. This episode has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Enter coupon code BEDPOST when you check out at comeasyouare.com to receive a 15% discount. And don't forget that shipping on orders over $50 is free in Canada. That's B-E-D-P-O-S-T when you visit comeasyouare.com. Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm here with Chantel Morostica. Hey, I'm, I stayed. <laughs> Still here right now. <laughs> so, okay, tell me about Queer and Present Danger. Um, Queer Present Danger is the, it started as a one person show about, uh, growing up gay and about mental illness. And it, I did it before I left Winnipeg. And then when I started, uh, I wanted to do a queer tour and I was like, that name's great. I'll keep it. Yes. Um, and the show meant so much to me. And, uh, like it was like a huge share about all the experiences that I've been through. So I, I felt giving it. To my to all the queers would be nice. Um, I just started it as like to do a tour. I wanted to tour with Deanne Smith and like a couple f- uh, friends and just like start promoting queer um, talent across Canada. Mm-hmm. So I did a tour and then it just like continues. I just call it tour because I'm like oh, I'm gonna have it in Kitchener next week or I'd, I'll do one in Winnipeg. But um, it just turned into kind of uh, anywhere that queer people want to do a show. I'm like yeah we'll do it. 
Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's just kind of like a brand, I guess. Yep. And you're facilitating like new young performers. Yeah. Like any, anytime I go anywhere, I try to get some new, like the uh, local openers that are like, don't get a lot of stage time and what have you. Just get like queers paid and get queer stage time yeah. in their, in an audience that's built for them in a lineup that is all their peers and their community and their friends. And then love it. Love it. I was just like, I need to start promoting myself as on my own, but I was like, I want queer presentation so important to me. And like, I, I, I really like promoting other people more than I like promoting myself. Cause I'm like, let's not talk about me. Um, yeah, but I started uh, the up and comers. So I was just like kind of went around uh, Facebook and different groups. And I was like, if you are a young queer performer or not young, but new to stand up, I need you. And then I, I got so many names, so I decided to do, like, a bi-monthly um, comedy showcase at the Rivoli that'll be Queer and Present Danger, but it's ten queer acts that are really fresh, really new. And then they all, as a group, pick the headliner they want to oh. be their headliner. And then I host it, and then they each get five minutes, they each get a ticket link with, like, 20 tickets, and they they sell their tickets they so that they because when you're a young queer performer or you're oh, you tell everybody you, t- you want tell everyone you t- to come you want everybody to come but also people come and support you yes. and that's when people like put uh new people on shows because they're bringers and i was like okay but we can do a show where you are bringers but you can make money off of it and we'll get you a good tape get you a head like be like i awesome. open for deanne smith and it's just like it's almost like just getting the ball rolling and getting them really excited about doing comedy because they're going to be in a room of all their own uh, yeah. All their peers. Yeah, that's the other thing. Up. Yeah, they're bringers, but they're the whole thing is that you're bringing this amazingly supportive room. Yeah, all of you. Each one of them, if they have twenty friends, each one of them, each ten, that's two hundred people that are there just for them to and be supportive, to love them for being fresh new gabies and and queer comedy. So and then they get to be like open for Dan Smith. They're going to get a good taping and they get to make a bunch of money. However many tickets they sell that's so much money they get so Perfect. I just wanted it to be something that was very just so like just gets them excited because like yes. I, I, I know that like sometimes it's like as a marginalized performer you're just like filling uh, uh you're a check mark you yeah know? you're filling and, the hole on the card that's yeah. for LGBTQA or whatever and sometimes yeah. I I find that like if, if I was an amateur comic in the scene I would be really scared especially if I was like trans like coming going to an open mic than in with cishet people yeah. yeah like even when i do wednesdays at yucks i feel uncomfortable and i've been doing comedy for almost 15 years like so you can imagine a new person, person trying to do that like uh, i want to talk about my experience to these people who are maybe gonna hate me yeah right? no know? way so, no way not so an it's option just gonna be yeah just uh, a show that i'm excited to put on and yeah and like just to be like here you go here you go kids <laughs> yeah have it have fun yeah. yeah i trust you i trust you all to be yeah, Amazing. so that's kind of like what I wanted when I started Queer Presentation. I wanted to like make a database of all the different queer performers across Canada. Yes. But I've almost met all of them so far, except for like Vancouver and I haven't been to Calgary yet, but just like taking names as I go along and them knowing that they have me as a support and each other and just like kind of webbing up, like linking us together as a community. Yeah, that one's November 21st, but that one's just like, I was like, here you go, kids, sell your great, tickets. Great, but great, great, yeah. November 15th, that is my birthday as well. Um, I'll be turning <laughs> 34. Um, <laughs> I like to pretend that I care about my age, <laughs> and then just say my actual age. Yeah. <laughs> 34. 34. Um, I'm doing, uh, my. I started doing um, fundraising for my top surgery last year, but then I just kind of like stopped 
I, I don't know, it's so nerve-wracking to ask people for money for that. It's so, it feels weird, it feels invasive, and I, I had a good, like, I had a show in Winnipeg, and I had a show last year on my birthday in Toronto, mm-hmm. and I'm at, like, almost three grand out of the, like, ten grand that I need to get yeah, top so, surgery. Yeah, so I was gonna was say, good. how much does it cost? Yeah. Ten grand, eh? Yeah, it might be, like, uh, it, it depends, I think that it's eight to ten grand, but I'm also gonna have to take time off work, of so course. I'm just trying to get as much money as possible, so that of I'm just, course. like, okay. But it just feels weird because people will be like, isn't that covered by OHIP? Like, that's a thing that people will, like, always... when I'm like, back. Yeah, when I'm promoting, like, a fundraiser. But you have to, like, to get be covered by OHIP, you have to be um, trans-identifying. So I would have to be like, oh. I'm a guy, and I'm not. Which so, you're not. And then people are like, well, you could just lie. And I was like, well, why? how would that feel? Why would you want to... Why would I want to do that? And I've been lying like, for so fucking long. Yeah. How? And it's like, if every person I know gave me $10, I could get my top surgery tomorrow, you know? Like, yeah, it doesn't... So let's do that. It's not that... But I, I just felt so... Because of those kinds of things where people be like, oh, it looks great, you know? Like, and I'm wearing a binder, and I'm like, I didn't... I'll tell you guys when I get it. I think you'll know. Yeah. It's just such a weird thing to share, because I... I've had a lot of people that are non-binary or uh, gender non-conforming be like, thank you, because I didn't know I could do that. I could, didn't know I could want top surgery, because it is a very gray, scary area where you're like, does that mean I'm trans? Like, and just the conversations I've had or the messages of like, thank you, that mean, like, that just opened up a door for me to be like, to explore myself completely. And I want to, I'm going to, like, my, my friend Amber, we're like trying to get... I'm all over the place, sorry. What yeah, I, it's great. What want to get, style, like, a... a funding to do a documentary about it so oh yes basically the last the like the last show that i do that's fundraising not this one because it's going to take a lot of fundraising but like the last show like document that and then like the whole experience and like interviews from like this like where i went to how i got there just so that other people that are non-binary can be like or if even people that are trans that want top surgery can be like oh it's like that and this person went through it and it's okay yeah. Just so that it's documented and it's not just off for nothing. And that's why I was, why I came out with it and didn't just raise the funds myself. Because I was like, you, you, I have a voice. Like, I'm on a microphone all the time and people, I am like a public figure. So people, yeah. if I say something, then it's heard by more than just my group of friends. So I was like, I owe it to other people that identify like me. Yeah, use, to talk about use it. your platform that you yeah. have to talk about it. But it is still, like, I still am just one person, so it's really scary, and it feels very vulnerable to me. Yeah, like, and it's still a very intimate thing to be coming forward so with. it's so intimate. It's just, like, I, even when I think about it, it's so scary to not wake... Like, I never identified with them, but tomorrow if I woke up without them, how would I feel? You don't know. know. And I, I know that I want it, and I think... I think that I'll be like, once it's done, I'll be very happy to look down and have the chest that I had when I was a kid when I was like, yeah, I don't want boobs, you know, but you, it's something so scary. But once you say something like that, people are just like, I can ask you anything, right? You're an open book. Then they just say the, you're like, "Eh, kind of, mostly. (laughs) Yeah, but don't say that to me. I'm still so so sensitive (laughs) and vulnerable. (laughs) Yeah. Because, because you wear a binder. Yeah. And you feel, I, I'm saying this because I read a post of yours, that you feel good once you get in clothes, in your binder and in clothes, then you're like, yes, feeling myself. Yeah, I'm not a person that, like, hangs out in a sports bra and sweatpants. Like, I'm either dressed or I'm in my bed, like... Asleep. Asleep. <laughs> yeah, because it just, uh, it, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah, like, even, I mean, yeah, I put that post about putting, wearing a sports bra to bed and waking up and just being like, oh, boobs again. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Yeah. It's always felt weird to have a chest. Yeah. But, um, what, what, um, 
do you know a lot about the actual process of getting top surgery? Like, have you... Um, yeah, I'm going to go to Dr. McLean in Mississauga. There's, like, the two best surgeons. There's one in L.A. and there's one in here in Ontario, Dr. McLean. And, um, they've been really good about getting back to me, but it's just, like, if I'm going to be covered by OHIP, it's, like, a two-year wait, and I could, like, try to get covered by OHIP as a non-binary person, but I also would have to go... It can take years for that, because then I have to, like, go to the gender clinic at CAMH and be like... I am, I'm uh, body dysmorphic and gender dysmorphic. And then basically have to be like, I'm a boy. And then yeah. you get signed off and then you go on a waiting list. But if you're using, if you're doing it, um, if you're, I was like, but if I have my own money, they're like, we can get you in a couple months, which okay. sucks for people that are on the waiting list going through OHIP. But they seem very nice. But that it basically like you, you can't get, you can't talk to them until you're like, I have money to have okay. the surgery. So I, when I go in, I'll find out whether there's one where they cut your nipples off and they like, they pull everything out, mm-hmm. which is the ideal one. Cause there's less scarring and then they just like size your nipples back and put them back on. Okay. Or there's the, I don't know the names of them. I just right, like, right. know from like the talking. one where, yeah, <laughs> the one where I, do, I just don't remember things well because of <coughs> drugs. Um, but then <coughs> the one that drugs. most of my friends have had, it's like a lateral incision where it's where, where when you have breast augmentation, mm-hmm. the same scars, but your boobs hide them. So like when you get top surgery, it's the same thing, but they take it all out. So you still have the lateral it's scars. It's like the T scar or whatever. Yeah. 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 So I'm then most of my uh, trans or non-binary friends that have had the surgery have been like, you'll pro- because of my cup size, I'll probably have the scarring, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I don't care. Yeah. Um, as long as the breasts are gone. Yeah. And it's going to be like, it's like, and then Jeff Paul was talking to you that I was on his podcast last week and Mm -hmm. he was like, so you're going to keep your nipples? And I was like, it's not what? (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to keep what? Yeah. I'm going to have nipples. I think I'm going to try to keep those. I'm going to have nipples still. I'm not like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I'm not transitioning into a different, like, Different species. Yeah, it's like, yeah, no, but the perfect Chantel doesn't have nipples. Those stop me from accomplishing a lot of things in my day. And they're just like men and women's nipples. <clears throat> but then he also asked me, like, would I go topless? And I was like, I don't know. If I went to, like, Hanlon's, then I can... I've never felt comfortable, like, going to a nude beach because I'm uncomfortable with my body because I like, don't like having a chest. But I was like, maybe I would go shirtless then, but I'm not going to just be like, oh, hey, ladies, are we painting? And just pop my shirt off? Like... <laughs> That makes me so mad, like, going to street festivals when men take their shirt off all the time. Like, just stop it. Yeah, why does everyone... <laughs> we get it. It's hot out. I'm so hot right now, but I'm not popping my shirt off. <laughs> yeah, I can't do anything about it. Yeah. Ugh. So when, when, where, tell us how okay. people can donate if they want to donate. Um, uh, November 15th at the Rivoli at 9 p.m. is the show, and it has a, a butt-ton of all my good friends, like Nigel Grinstead and Jackie Perico and... Christoph Davidson, Kyle Brownrigg, Michelle Shaughnessy, and all my best friends that are the most talented people in the world are going to be performing for me, and they'll be headlining, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to put my own shows together so I can headline them. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> this is what I want on my birthday. <laughs> and the tickets are at a, uh, available on Eventbrite, and the show's called uh, Hashtag Tell em Boobs Bye. That's been, like, the whole campaign is called that. Tell em Boobs my, Bye. My friend Courtney Gilmore came up with that, because I was like... I, don't, I just need a really good name. And she was like, you know, like Beyonce, like, tell him boy bye. And she was like, tell him boobs bye. And I was like, Courtney, you're a genius. <laughs> she is. She just went homegrown. She's a genius. Um, but it's hashtag tell him boobs bye on Eventbrite. And then also I have a GoFundMe campaign that's at, under the same name. Mm-hmm. But GoFundMe takes away so much money, I didn't even realize. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, like, like processing sh- stuff? Mm-hmm. Oh, lame. Yeah, so if you want to try to donate, if you can come just by 
ticket at Eventbrite or come to the Rivoli on November 15th, just throw some cash at me. And yeah, be that's nice. the better way to do it. Yeah. Rather than, I didn't know that about GoFundMe. Yeah. I didn't either until, like, they sent me, like, a small donation. Like, I guess somebody saw, because I was, like, I've been campaigning again. Someone sent me, like, a small donation, like, whatever they could. And then, like, when it got to me, I was like, holy. Five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're really doing the, the tough work there. Hey, GoFundMe. <laughs> Taking down people's information and everything. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, it's just, like, because I, I made the ticket price, like, $20. So if somebody just, like, wants to go see a comedy show, it is, like, really great. It's going to be a really great comedy show. Or if you don't have much to donate, $20 is a pretty good donation. So you're going to see a show and also help me out. That's amazing. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I got my first binder at Come As You Are. So I'm Yay! very grateful to them. Come so, As You Are. When it was a shop, they were very nice. Yeah, when they helpful. had the storefront. And making me comfortable putting it on because I was so weirded out and like embarrassed and scared. But they're so nice to me, and they're a very good. They're very good people there. They totally so, are. If they are your sponsors, then good, very good <laughs> then on you. I second that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack and, Jack and Noah are ballin' individuals. Yeah, they're lovely. I ran into them at Pride last year, and they were like, "Hi!" It's so like nice to me, just from that experience? knowing me from that experience. I was like, "Get out of here! You're so sweet." Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> be my best friend yeah <laughs> um is there any like uh twitter instagram anything you want to um put oh out my there? god follow me on instagram it's my favorite way to feel good about myself <laughs> me I too oh my Chantal god and then my twitter is at shanty Marastica, but i think that i might be terrible at twitter so who cares <laughs> okay great. but follow me for validation <laughs> okay just to or see just find numbers. me on bumble or tinder you know yeah <laughs> Swipe me. I mean, Chantel, this has been so lovely. Thank you so much for coming and speaking with me today. Thank you for having this existential talk with me, right? <laughs> oh, I'm always such a baby on podcasts. I'm like, I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> You're great. Really, uh, just so enlightening and amazing. And Thanks love, for having me on to talk you. about it. It's oh my important. God. Oh, my God. My pleasure. Everyone, once last time, it's been Chantel Mrostka. Guys, 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 stop. Guys. And I'm Erin Pym, and this has been the Bedpost Podcast. Check back every week, everyone, because we release a new episode every single Friday. And if you want to rate and review the podcast, review <laughs> on uh, iTunes while you're there, I would really appreciate it. If you're in Toronto, want to see Bedpost Live, the Variety State Show runs at the Social Capital Theatre the third Friday of every month at 8. Uh, although in the new year, we're going to be kind of changing up a little bit, so keep an eye out for that. For all the information concerning bedposts, go to bedpost.ca. And if you want to get in touch with me for whatever reason, I'm at thebedpostsexshow at gmail.com. Lastly, the Bedpost podcast features original music by Steph Copeland, who can be reached at her website, stephcopelandmusic.com.